Welcome to the Smoke Pit. Joining us back again, Steve Kubrick. He is currently the Impact World Champion. Steve, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I think the the last time we were on a call together is uh, shortly after the the withdrawal from Afghanistan. You and I were both on an episode of the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs official podcast, Born the Battle, to to kind of give our thoughts. Yeah, that was a long time and uh, feels like a lifetime ago, but uh, you still don't forget of uh, how that all went down. Yeah, it was just it was kind of crazy because it was like, you know, here's one of the most profound things to happen in our lifetime. And to give their thoughts, these two asshole Marines. Just a bunch of crayon eaters and burn pit uh, lung uh, fueled uh, Marines. Yeah, it's it's funny because I am my go to uh, rebuttal because, you know, banter. um yeah, you know, I, I think online people get too butter too quick if you if you give a quip or something they think it's a challenge and they got to double down. But if you're in the smoke pit, you know somebody uh, uh, chats some shit and you uh, you fire right back, and that's just how it goes. But when everybody's like, "Yeah, oh, crayon eater," I'm like, that is a vicious stereotype. I am deeply offended. Actually, uh, speaking of uh, the VA podcast, um, Tanner actually at my wedding got us crayons. Me and D, the edible ones though. So oh, that's funny. So it was pretty cool. So were they like edible, edible, or were they just like edible? No, they were just like you know, like they're not not, not uh, drug infu- infused. Which would be a lot cooler, different color. Million dollar idea. The green weenie just you feel pain and shame. <laughs> <laughs> green weenie green, but um, no, it was uh, they just like I don't know, like the chalk. Like remember candy cigarettes when you were younger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. That's what it tasted like. Right on, man. Uh, and the, the last time we talked before that, you were on uh, the episode of The Smoke Pit. I believe it was uh, Machine Guns and Power Bombs, which, if I must say, is an extremely clever title. Yes. Um, not not to, to brag for myself. <laughs> Kudos for that one. Yeah, that was uh, almost, what, a year and a half, two years ago? Not even. Yeah, yeah that. about that. So, brother, man, I got to ask you. Uh, so, you know, based off of the, uh, the, the last episode and just kind of everything that we talked about, building your career. How did it feel when you when you got to you know raise that impact world championship above your head and like you know uh, show it to the crowd? It was cool. Friggin' after ten years of being in the business, and I wrestle for those listening. Uh, my name's Steve Cooper, but I wrestle under the name of Steve Macklin uh, with Impact Wrestling. I've uh, been there with them about two years now, and uh, just the two years of opportunity they've given me to get to the point now as the Impact World Champion. It's just cool, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I was always told by buddies, like, on deployment, like, even in 2011 with Buddy Chance and Beer, like, there's going to be an action figure you one day. Because I would just sit there. I was like, I think I'm going to go be a pro wrestler. We'd be yeah. in the middle of the desert just bullshit. And, like, you know how it goes when we're just – everybody's, oh, what are you going to do when you get out? What are you going to do when you get your DD-214s? Oh, I'm going to do a lot of drugs. I'm going to go to college. <laughs> like, just all the fun things. But, like, I wanted to just – dabble into pro wrestling and see if i had what it takes and then obviously it's uh it's paying off it's paying the bills for over a decade and yeah keeping a roof over my head so it's it's a good business and it's very similar to uh the Mar- well the marine corps or just anything in general for that uh with like locker room camaraderie and just the brotherhood and uh i don't know just for everything to come together in that moment and just think it over the past decade of never thinking i'd be there uh other than working at it and it's, it was cool it was awesome. And then my wife winning at the same night, yeah. too, on her end. So it's like good thing just happened organically in the same night. And uh, it was just fun. It's a good memory. Yeah, no, that is wild. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, um, you know, having, uh, yeah, having a partner that's not only supportive, but is uh, in the same industry and both you guys being able to, to take your titles home on the same night, like that had to be hot. Yeah. Uh, there's, the old, <laughs> there's the old, uh, ritual that yeah, you're supposed to have sex when uh you win the world titles you have to have it yeah. on while you're doing it and of course people are asking us the next day like did you do it did you guys do it did you first thing not even a hello anything like nope so did you guys do it and we're like not your business no not your business but on a completely separate note that these two pieces of metal were banging together all night and I, my tetanitis is flaring up i heard a cowbell all night <laughs> Well, I also have to to ask you this. Um, from all your pictures, you look you look pretty oiled when when you go out for your matches. How long does it take to get all that stuff off? Uh, it's not really. It's just a little bit of cocoa butter on the chest and on the abs just to get a yeah. layer on top of the tan. That's a two-layer spray tan. <laughs> uh, and then I'm wearing a leather jacket, which is pretty insulated before, so a lot of it's just sweat. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's that's the one good thing. A good tan for TV. That's all, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. So, um, uh, is there anything that uh, that you wish more people knew about uh, when it comes to you know your profession or you know your professional work ethic? You know, are there any uh, misconceptions that you like to dispel, or just something that a question you're tired of being asked? Well, you always get the 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 fake word of like, "Oh, wrestling's fake." Does it really hurt? Does it really feel like this? It's like, no, we kill it. We we're professional stuntmen and athletes that yeah. never have an off season unless you're fully injured. If not, you're on the road three sixty five or when you can be home. Luckily, I'm home during the week. My schedule with Impact Wrestling is pretty easy, uh, with like kind of two on, one off, two on, one off. But then yeah. I, I work independence as well. So in the free time, I'm working on the weekends and other independent shows uh, around the country, and that's kind of fun. But um, yeah, it's always like, oh, it's this, but it's all, it's all, it's all fake. It's all predicted, right? It's like, yes, it's a story, just like a movie that you go see. We know what's going to happen, but we're prepared to train for whatever it is, and you find what works for you, and yeah, just how it all works out. So I think that's the one thing that it's it's just like, oh, it's fake. And then sometimes you'll be on a plane, and people are like, oh, is it like? amateur wrestling or is it like what kind of wrestling is like no it's professional wrestling like wwe hulk hogan rock and then people yeah. are like, oh okay yeah because the uh, the 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 idea behind it is like i don't i don't care who you are uh, it's kind of hard to, to to fake getting power bombed you know yeah it's just that's where the training comes in and again another relation to being in the marine corps and just learning from boot camp and straight through of all the basics you learn how to bump properly how to tuck your chin just how to brace yourself, how to do certain movements just with ease, but then also being light with it because you don't want to hurt each other either too. So yeah, it does all hurt, but we're not hurting each other as much as we can. Sometimes you'll be punched for real and it sucks. And then then after a couple more of them, you're like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) Learn learn to fucking work. Stop doing that. This is what sells. (laughs) I remember um, the back, I think it was in the nineties. Um, Undertaker and Vader were on a talk show in, I think it was, uh, what was it, uh, Kuwait? It okay. might have been Kuwait. It might have been Dubai. Uh, I'll look that up real quick. And uh, the reporter uh, asked uh, them, you know, that same question. And you know, Undertaker, you know, was trying to uh, handle it, and Vader just got pissed. And you know, he he started manhandling the host. Uh, it was Kuwait, yeah. And he's handling the host and he ended up going to jail uh, for a day or two uh, because the, the authorities arrested him. Hell yeah. yeah. He like, he snatched this dude who was a fraction of his size, like clean off his feet. And he's like, does this feel fake? And like the dude was just terrified because Vader was massive. You know, we can't do that now. Can't physically harm anyone, but we can, uh, we yeah. can prove that by our performance. Cause then there's people that are re- the ones that are really good at it. Suspend the disbelief when you're watching where it looks like it's, real like and you're really getting hit you but like a lot of it's striking on contact which i love contact being the marine that i am i'm just an idiot uh so yeah. i like to feel it a little bit uh so that it's it's like something to sell but it's also the adrenaline off of it is the fun part and so do you ever uh watch um uh, movies or or tv shows like uh the um heels or the wrestler or glow you know especially with your wife do you guys ever watch the those kind of things and like point out inaccuracies just kind of like we do with military movies kind of but uh like heels and glow are really good heels is actually a really good show i don't know if, if you've been watching it yeah it's really good Stephen mills done a really good job and i know a few of the guys I actually just wrestled with a kid in texas uh that's one of the stunt guys uh he's a pro wrestler but he does a lot of stunt work for a lot of the actors that are on it certain bumps and stuff that they can't do so it's pretty cool but uh, they re- they really try to put a lot of um, the real obviously the realism in pro wrestling that you see, like the wrestler was really good with Ricky Rourke, like that yeah. was spot on to how it is coming down from being on top. Not so much anymore like that, but um, probably in the eighties and the nineties it was like that, where it's like you're on top of the world, world champion pay per views, blah blah blah. Now you have to make it on the indies as uh, your own name. So it's kind of cool to see how they went with that way and showing that route. And a lot of it was in Jersey too, which is cool. Um, yeah. You know, you kind of look like Steven Armel, the, uh, the main character of, uh, of heels. He probably looks like me if anything. <laughs> we'll say Steven Mel looks like me, you know, just uh two, uh, well-built Caucasian men with beards and short hair in, yeah. in, uh, yeah, so similar I attire. Rock, I still rock the high fit. I almost sent you a photo the other day too. I was, when you texted me about, uh, doing the interview and what time and stuff with everything. I was like, Oh, I was ready. I was just got a haircut too. Yeah. I was like, oh, I look like a boot right now. 
Well, don't don't uh, suspend the disbelief for our listeners. You know, we uh, we 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 do all of this organically. There's no preparation. We just <laughs> happen to both be in a chat room at the same time and say, "Let's do a show." <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to do. So the reason why I, I reached out to Steve is because I um I um oftentimes before I post something, I like to get some people's feedback. Because, you know, you, you never really know somebody's intention when they post something, whether it be tone, inflection, sarcasm. And so sometimes I'll, I'll send things to people uh, to see what their first impressions are. Like, you know, does this come off clearly? Am I, do I sound like a dick? You know, do I, uh, you know, do, do I sound hypocritical or whatever the case is? Because I, you know, I, I want to be able to put content out there that people can use to, you know, show their, their civilian friends and families and be like, this is how I feel, you know? And so the, the tweet essentially says, uh, I believe we need legislation that ensures our troops won't needlessly be sacrificed in another prolonged conflict with unclear or unrealistic goals like Vietnam and Afghanistan. As Slipknot once said, you want to win the war, know what you're fighting for. And I, I sent that over to Steve and he's like, I'm a Marine. I can't read. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like an ape. <laughs> Actually, they speak a lot better than I do with the sign language. It's the crazy part. Uh, yeah, no, you sent me over that and it was just funny because it made me laugh seeing the Slipknot quote, but then also like, yeah, that's my opinion. I was just like, ah, well, we all take the oath. So we're kind of screwed on that, that part of it. So, yeah, I think that, um, from, um, a, a federal level, you know, obviously the, you know, the discussion has to be held. Cause like when we first started talking about the burn pit act, like, you know, it was, it was just kind of something like, Hey, we know we need this. And then it just took years to navigate the um the complexities and the the specifics and a lot of that was out of our hands and we just kind of you know passed the ball to to people who are more qualified to deal with the legalese but the idea is that if you'd listen to any troop um you know, anybody who spent any time in iraq and afghanistan particularly afghanistan um you know you 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 would have heard criticisms of the the local forces you know you would say like hey you know this uh tole commander is corrupt or, you know, these troops are are inadequately trained. They don't even want to be here. They don't care. They're going to go UA. And then, you know, we'd pass that information up and we'd essentially just get a Roger keep eyes on type answer. And it's just it it was just so frustrating that we called it for years. We're like, as soon as we leave, this is going to go down the drain. And instead of, you know, them listening and, and trying to you know implicate that and to uh, you make take those implications into the strategy and have something they just try to outspend it, you know? How does the Afghan army lose to the Taliban when the Afghan army had an air force? You know what I mean? Like, how, how does that make sense? Because the Taliban was in the Afghan the army. So uh, <laughs> that's the that's the weird thing, though, is like, you know, 9 to 11 compared from, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, my first deployment. Uh, it's just crazy. And then Marja, from the A&A, the way they were, it was, we didn't really get to work with the locals as much. My second deployment, um, but the first one in 09, like you could, A and A were just out there having fun, shooting RPGs, firing away. I just think they were blowing their load for those first few months, and after that, they're like, "All right, we're gonna go back to our old job. We'll let them know what everybody's doing." Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's why I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they're in the bachelor party phase uh, for a yeah. few months. The little honeymoon phase. Yeah, but like even like I said it to you, like the ISKI. I think I, we had this conversation before. Like the ISKI were a lot better than A and A, just because. They were the local neighborhood watch of that area, and like they kept law and order, so they would take care of their crops. And that's the number one thing over there was the civilians' crops, at least in, in Marja was was the, all that with their farming and their mud hut, uh, and that's their world, and that's what they wanted to protect. So it's kind of crazy to think of how I don't know. It was just awful. We all knew. Well, I think you and I had the conversation when everything was going down too, with texting back and forth of just like, yeah, we all knew this, like you said before, like everybody like there's not. If once we leave, they're done. Yeah, and and so the the fact that despite all the writing on the wall, you know, we still had a, essentially a, a repeat of Af of uh, Vietnam, where you know the the U.S. forces never lost a major battle in either in either conflict, and you 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 kind of think about it. And one of the things that like maybe this is just me beginning an elder millennial, and now that I'm starting to get older, you know, things get to me more. But by God, does it does it it pisses me off when I'm online and people are like, oh yeah, they got their ass kicked by farmers and sandals. And I'm like, no, you don't. Like, we they they got massacred at every turn. The last ten years of the conflict was essentially them uh, realizing they couldn't stand toe to toe and just emplacing IEDs at nighttime is still getting blown to hell with ISR. You know, 
Yeah. And then we'd have route clearance leading the way to take care of the Vicks, and they'd just be plowing it over with a bulldozer, just walking through their land, just driving through land and canals, going over yeah. the water. I remember down in Trucknala in 11, like that was the fun, cool thing. I was actually talking about it last weekend with my buddy Barry. And uh, it was funny how, like, we would just literally take the middle of the desert, set up a mini fob of sand dunes around us, truck in each corner, and those were our posts for a couple nights. And then we just kind of mobilized out of that. And it was just. We didn't get, we just showed a force completely to them. Like, oh, fuck, we can't mess with them. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the, and obviously, you know, this is in all deference to anybody that we lost, but you look at the amount of casualties we had for 20 years versus a lot of these other conflicts, like even some of the conflicts that are currently going on. And it's like, I don't know how anybody in their right mind can think that our military got manhandled. Like, clearly, our leaders were out strategized. Yeah. And just, Piss poor leadership is just how it all comes down to. Anyway, you know how that is. I'd, great. I had a great chain of command my first deployment. Second deployment was like, eh, this, yeah, wasn't as good. So, and it's so crazy too, because like just one asshole in a wrong spot can really make the lives of you know hundreds, if not thousands, of of Marines really shitty. Yeah, even like a bad section leader or even a platoon sergeant uh, or a platoon commander, like it just it sucks. It was night and day to go from, um. Uh, Lieutenant Morrow, my first appointment to that. I, I forget what Iraqi is now. I think he might be a colonel. He's probably a colonel now. Aren't you? <laughs> uh, he was the man. Uh, awesome, awesome, awesome uh, platoon commander. But then we go right to a boot tenant with his freaking butter bar on uh, the second deployment, and he's trying to give us kind of orders. And we're listening and doing the right thing, respecting the rank. And we're like, but sir, this is how we did this. This will work. And just against the grain the entire time. Yeah, everybody uh, has the good idea fairy on their shoulder where they think that they're going to, uh, you know, make it to the, the annals of Marine Corps history uh, with, you know, with their decisions and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just like, dude, you you just got to listen, man. Yeah, listen to your senior lance corporals and your NCOs. <laughs> yep, which is a, a great thing that you brought up. I remember, um, I think it was uh, General Amos, the old commandant, he got pissy about um, the, the idea that there are no senior lance corporals. Uh, in the Marine Corps. And I was just like, okay, well, clearly you're so far removed that you don't understand why we say this because clearly it's not a rank, but the idea that, you know, you have like a team leader, Lance Corporal or a Lance Corporal squad leader that's supposed to be an E5, a senior Lance Corporal is somebody who's in a more important billet than some regular Lance Corporal, you know? So like, oh, you don't want him to be called senior Lance Corporal? Promote him. Give him money. Uh, yeah. Give him that extra $20 a month so he can go <laughs> paycheck at the PA out of dancers. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, the, the difference between Lance Corporal and Corporal, like that first two or three months is just going to cover the difference of adding the blood stripe, getting the EGA belt buckle, uh, you know, and, and all the differences between the uh, getting new chevrons sewn on. So it's not even like you actually lose money when you get promoted. Some clothing allowance, you get written in our checks. I remember that. I remember even at a boot camp, I let the, I probably I shouldn't have talked at all. Uh, but at boot camp, I was like, can you leave a little extra fabric in there? I like to lift weights. I was like, once I leave boot camp, I'm probably going to put weight on. And they said, no, 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 you're getting like this. I'm like, okay. Left boot camp, got to the fleet, had to buy an entire set of alphas. Every, just I was – and it was a couple grand yeah. to get everything done properly. And, I, yeah, I kept my locker in line. So it was just one of those things where I like to have that set up for locker inspections, God forbid. Yeah. So. But uh, it – it, it's just kind of funny how you know, even just with that, the the disconnect between the higher ups and you know the the people out there that are just praying that each step it doesn't result in them getting their legs blown off, I uh, just just vastly different. And so I think from a legislative perspective, there needs to be some sort of accountability where it's like, okay, if we enter into any sort of prolonged armed conflict every you know twice a year or every two years, you know whatever you know biannually means to you, uh, you know there has to be some sort of congressional review where, you know, we talk about our specific goals because at the end of the day, like they just told us, oh, hearts and minds, hearts and minds. Well, you know, I, I, I just talked to Earl Plumley like an episode or two ago, you know, he was a force recon Marine and he went to the army and he was awarded the medal of honor. And he's just like, no, as, as soon as we killed bin Laden, like we should have started packing up. Like that's why yeah. we were there. I said that right in the middle of our platoon where we're getting the word that freaking bin Laden was killed. And I was like, cool, we can go home. They said, nope. <laughs> And I remember uh, he wasn't even in this this country. (laughs) I mean, I literally made the comment to Gunny Barone and then he goes, nope, we're still saying hearts and minds. We got a lot of things to do here. I'm just like, okay, cool. (laughs) 
Yeah. And so like the, the idea that we have to, you know, examine our, our objectives, examine our goals and make sure that we are not needlessly, um, you know, wasting lives because the scary thing is the, the children who are being born today are the ones that our elected leaders are probably going to send to yet another prolonged conflict that they're not going to have a clear goal. They're not going to have a clear strategy and Americans are going to needlessly suffer. There's no profit in peace. So you know how that works. Yeah. And it's like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm conflicted. Cause like as a Marine, like obviously I want to slay bodies, right? Like, yeah, that's always, that's, we have that bloodlust. And that was even mm-hmm. as soon as we were in CACs and we, uh, we were set to go back to Ramadi two eight. And uh, we got told, Hey, we're all going to Afghanistan. And when we heard through the grapevine, like, Hey guys, we're going to Afghanistan. That's why our workup kicking uh, bigger, longer and longer. Um, so it was just, everybody sat there and it was probably one of the coolest formations where you definitely, everybody had an erection is yelling in the air, <laughs> just a bunch of dumb Marines. And that's what we wanted to do. And, um, I, I, I know, cause I, like I said to you, it's like, we take that oath and I understand where you're coming from on it and you wish, but there's at the end of the day, once you sign that paperwork, say that oath, you're the government's property. And that's the shitty thing. Yeah. And so I I think with age comes a little bit of wisdom where I can acknowledge the hypocrisy in that. Like I volunteered for multiple deployments and in like, so I, you know, I, I like doing my job. I like being on the primary, I like kicking down doors. I like being out with the boys, you know, and, and getting into firefights. And so I I think like one of the, one of the things that I had to come to terms with was there was a big difference between the Gucci firefights that I was in where, you know, it was just like maybe a handful, maybe a squad, like kind of even odds, you know what I mean? Or sometimes it'd only be one or two of them and a platoon of us, you know? And like, there's a big difference between being in you know, a Gucci situation where you have the gear, the training advantage, the logistic advantage, uh, you know, uh, close hair support, you know, you have medevacs, right? And you're just like, just whipping someone's ass and a big difference between that and something like Iwo Jima, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I can't imagine. Uh, my wife and I actually just uh, booked a trip for France, and we're actually at Normandy on our uh, list to travel to. So that's like one of those things. Yeah, and, uh, I'm kind of curious. Sorry, I'm changing the subject. But no, no, please. Jima and thinking of uh, D-Day and all that. So it's just one of those things with a beach that I'm just wondering if we go there because I've been to Pearl Harbor. We went a couple of years ago, and it just had that eerie feel. Yeah. And then I'm wondering if that's how it's going to be on the beach, or like there's just some kind of vibe there. And uh, but yeah. It, to suffer that way compared to what we had in the training. But then it's kind of the thing with pro wrestling. It's like, Oh, back in my day. And that's always the thing that's always going to be said. So we wish we can, maybe we can fix kind of what's going on in the world. Get to something like that, where we do say, well, what's the mission? What are the goals? Why are we going in? What are we really there for? Uh, Whose pockets are we filling? So I don't know, maybe, maybe it can change. And especially with the way the government is now and a lot of the elected officials now, you see a lot of veterans kind of getting into that role, which is kind of cool to see. You hope they stick to taking care of us instead of Blue Falcon people. But yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there because when we were trying to get the burn pit bill passed, like, brother, man, I can't tell you how many times I, I knocked on the door of a, of a, of a representative, you know, House or Senate that was a veteran and or I tried to schedule a meeting with them or had meetings with them. And just like so many of them uh, were unresponsive. We're like, Hey, what, do you want to you know, read the bill and give us feedback? No. Do you want to join the caucus? So that way you can have uh, in uh, influence on it and give your input. No. Well, did, do you want to do anything like, Oh no. Well, once the bill comes out, we'll look at it and give you our feedback. They never did. And this was depressing. Cause like I did this for like a lot of the, the veterans who are, um, in the, who are elected and so few of them even gave us the time of day and practically none of them, uh, supported us. And it's crazy because like, I know people like to have their political alliances and stuff like that. And like, you know, everybody obviously entitled to their opinion, but it's like, when you really look at who is doing things to help veterans, like it's, it's not as clear cut as you think. And one of the biggest, um, uh, factions that were criticizing the burn pit bills were saying, Oh, they're going to do this or they're spending that. And it's just like, it, it wasn't true. And I was like a year later and it's like, okay, show me where you said all this money was going to be spent frivolously. None of it has. And then, uh, the ones that are like, Oh yeah, well it doesn't do this or it doesn't do this. So don't you know pass it. I'm like, all right, well, it's been a year. Have any of you submitted a bill to amend it or have any of you submitted a separate bill to cover those things that you were so mad, those veterans that you were so critical of saying you weren't going to get taken care of. Have you done anything to help them or were you just being a, a mouthpiece because 
this guy's tie color was different than yours. It's politics. It really is. And it's just like, it's, it's sad because there are people out there that would rather see no one get any help than there be a victory for someone that they don't simp for. Yeah. It's just, it's shitty in the way of the world. Like I was watching a video today randomly on Instagram. It was a guy like ODing in the middle of the street of Seattle and like the cops mm-hmm. he's watching and you're just like, yeah, it's fentanyl. And there's people just doing drugs and in the streets. So you see stuff like that and it's, they say they want to help, but it's just like a lot of like the homeless veterans. Like that's the number one thing for years. That's been a problem. That's not taking care of helping out. And then the worst is like, I don't know if you see it, but like there's a few times I'll be driving around and it's like homeless vet, like serve my country. Why anything will help. I'm like, are they really a veteran? That's like yeah. one of those where like a part of me is like, I want to do the right thing, try to help somebody. Sometimes I give some cash anyway, but not all the time. Um, but it's just like, what what do we have to do for that? And like, that's always been a problem. And it's sad that elected officials won't take care of it in certain aspects. And you have to look at guys like uh, Gary Sinise, uh, <laughs> and John Stewart do more for veterans than anything. Yeah, no, um, yeah, you you make some some very valid points. When I first got out of the Marine Corps, um, I had started a um, a hauling company because it was essentially like you know professional police calling. Because I was like, all right. I can start this business and I only want to hire veterans and their family members. Right. And so over the three or so years that I did that, I was able to hire, I think around 40 veterans and and their family members, mostly veterans. And the crazy thing was, is every time that I saw somebody with a homeless veteran sign, you know, I'd I'd flip a bitch and like go back and be like, Hey, like I'll give you work, man. Like if I'm going to a job site now or be here tomorrow morning and I'll pick you up, like, and I'll take you to this job site, I'm paying twice the minimum wage and you'll have cash in hand. And I can also help you like get in contact with the uh, resource officers, file for benefits. You know, like I'll take you to the library so you can use the internet, find like, you know, somewhere to stay if, if you don't have somewhere to sleep tonight. And I tell you, not a single time did anyone ever take it up to, on me. And this happened maybe a dozen or two times over the course of several years where someone claims to be a homeless veteran. And like, and I'm like, hey, look, I know it's not glorious. I know it's not sexy, but like, I will give you work pay you today or tomorrow. I will help you get your resources and benefits. And unfortunately, not a single person ever took me up on it. And it kind of bleeds into the idea that one of the biggest problems that we have with homelessness is mental health. And if you are are in a mental health crisis, you're not going to be uh, lucid enough to want to get the help or to accept the help. Yeah. That's, that's another one thing that's, it's been bad. And of course, is finding the mental health and the cares and stuff. Like I'm waiting on a VA appointment that I scheduled two weeks ago for July uh, 13th was the next time my primary could see me. Like, it's crazy to me. Like you have to wait that long for just basic things. And so I, I know mental health has gotten a lot better uh, with the VA. Cause that's usually mm-hmm. the first thing they say, or is this is a health emergency, like please contact or blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's just getting worse. And it's, there's nothing you can do about it. You can do all the pushups you want and try to do a trend, for the mm-hmm. for that but um i don't know i think that comes from more research to be done i don't know who's doing that i know people are uh, my buddies uh uh herrera and uh pollock they have the o3xx podcast and they do a lot mm-hmm. of stuff uh talking about mental health on that but um sorry plugging them on here <laughs> no all good bunch of two eight guys but uh it's just funny that just like, no if they're looking for a guest let me know i know someone <laughs> They're uh, with just, yeah, mental health just sucks, man. And there's nothing you can do about it. And the, to add drugs onto it, you know how it yeah. was all getting out of the Marine Corps with pain pills, friggin' Ambien. I, we, everybody was being prescribed Ambien after my first deployment. It was just handing out like friggin' M&Ms. So yeah, like, dude, I, I had to come off of Ambien because it was just like, I remember telling the wizard, I was like, my nightmares are evolving. They are getting worse and they are getting more personal and more complex. And I need to be off of this. <laughs> remember Malaria Mondays? to change subject oh dude some, oh my god <laughs> some of those dreams i wonder what those pills did to our bodies they'll be so they'll be researching about like one of those things like the camp lejeune water it's going to be about malaria pills dude brother man it's already happened man let me google this real quick so while i'm googling this let me let me tell you a quick story um uh so i i remember getting uh woken up for for my uh, my rotation as sog in afghanistan and uh, the kid that woke me up was like, are, are you good, Sergeant? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm fucking tired, but like, yeah, I'm good. It's like, no, like, are you good? Are you, are you okay? And, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the conversation. 
but he was like, essentially, he was like, yeah, you, you were complaining about how the damn moon people should pay taxes like the rest of us. And I was like, I do not remember that. <laughs> Malaria Monday. <laughs> the most lucid, crazy dreams in the world. I'm like, what did they do to us? Uh, yeah. And uh, do you do you remember what the, the, the drug was called? No. Couldn't even couldn't tell you. Like, hey, take this. It gives you great, great dreams. Cool. Yeah, no, they I remember they they remember telling us that uh, it'll help with our, our, our acne. Oh, is it methiclin? It might be. Methic- yeah, methiclin Mondays, I think it was called too. We were saying sometimes. Yeah, the I'll have to find the article because like there are um yeah, the okay, so I'm looking at the VA's uh, official website right here. Uh, da, 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 da. Most commonly reported side effects are nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, um, which you know, had all of those if you're deployed. Uh, seizures, restlessness, confusion, unusual behavior, liver problems for those who drink. Uh, recent scientific literature has suggested that side effects including mood changes, bad or vivid dreams, agitation, suicidal thoughts, and suicidal behavior. Mm. Psychiatric conditions including active depression. Uh, recent history of depression, generalized anxiety disorder, or psychosis, or schizophrenia, um, uh, or other psychiatric disorders. Those with a history of those should not take um, uh, mefloquine. I'm not pronouncing that right. I think it's methoquine. Yeah, and so like people with anxiety uh, or depression, which was you know anybody who has ever been on a combat patrol <laughs> should not take these drugs. <sighs> Uh, but we had fun with it, though. That's the sad. <laughs> it turned into like, oh, this is gonna be a good part of the week. And so the 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 interesting thing is that when we get back and we all kind of bomb burst back to our our individual lives, um, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to to keep track of everyone because you know, like when we're deployed, it's just like, all right, everybody line up and take this pill so you don't get malaria. All right, everybody line up and you know, let's do a weapons inspection. Everybody line up. Let's do a fitness test to make sure that you know you're you're physically fit. And it's just not the case when when you get out. And I, I obviously know that there is a huge uh, availability of actions and policies that are open to criticism. And there are things that the government and programs and stuff like that have done poorly. But in the interest of fairness, in the interest of uh, looking at uh, an entire well-being solution, um, there are a lot of things that the veteran community can hold themselves a little bit more accountable when it comes to mental health. And, you know, some of those things, like you mentioned, like drugs, um, I had my gallbladder taken out uh, about a year ago. Like I woke up one morning and I was just like, oh, this hurts. And, you know, Samantha's got her degree in emergency medicine. And she was like, yeah, no, you're, you're colicky. And I was like, I don't know what that means. She's like, go to the hospital. And they cut my gallbladder out because it was about to explode. And they gave me a whole stack of opioids. And uh, we were about to go to Iceland. And I didn't take a single one of them because I was like, I don't want to be one of those dudes who gets like you know, addicted to, to, to painkillers, you know? No, that's like, I don't know. My, my saving grace right now with in wrestling world, like I was drinking so much out of the Marine Corps or during the Marine Corps, out of the Marine Corps. And then like in wrestling, like, you guys obviously stay in shape. So like trying to like limit my drinking, I was like, all right, what else works? And it's just, I'm, I love edibles. Now my sleep mm-hmm. is about 10 milligrams, but like, I know people just obviously I do the basic lowest of a drug. People are going out and just doing meth and <laughs> I don't know, like going on acid trips and stuff. Like I'm, some of my buddies will just always constantly be high. And I'm just like, I couldn't live like that. I don't know. And then like that brings up, it stirs up a lot of depression and especially drinking too. Yeah. Oh, like we used, I missed bar, I missed freaking field days on Thursdays just for the drinking parties that we would have. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, we do one of those things like there'll be days where I'm just sitting around, I'll have a beer and then I'll have another beer. And then my wife say, how many was that? I was like, I don't know, two or three. And she's like, we'll stop. I'm like, okay. Just because we have <laughs> off. Like I just sit and it's like sitting in the barracks. Yeah. It's like the old lifestyle. It's like, I oh, just sitting and bored. What does Marine do? They drink. Yep. Just, uh, the least destructive thing you can do uh, as a Marine in the barracks is just sit in one spot and drink and play video games. Yes. Or uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sleep. Uh, but yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Like there are, there are plenty of things that, you know, the, the and I know they don't want to hear it. I know uh, the person who's listening to this right now, um, you know, if, if, if you're in a position like this, this isn't a criticism, this is just bullshitting, right? So don't, you know, don't, don't take offense, but you know, we all do things that um, are probably not the best thing for our mental health, you know, whether it be, you know, your diet, your exercise, or probably even more importantly, 
trying to avoid the things that cause you to have negative feelings, whether it be toxic relationships, family drama, work stress, whatever the case is, like doing your best to try to mitigate those stresses. And if you can't remove yourself from these environments that are stressful, because like you need your job, you need to make money, you can't, you know, turn your back on family, whatever the case is, you know, setting boundaries and finding ways to limit things. And then also doing uh, mindfulness and meditation or yoga or powerlifting, whatever, whatever your thing is that makes you feel better, you know, whatever your thing is, making sure that you have dedicated time for that as a way to, to de-stress. Yeah, that's I have the gym and wrestling for that with my job. So that's like I think that's what attracted me to pro wrestling was just that adrenaline rush again. It's kind of going into a five to 15, 20 minute firefight in, in the ring, so to speak. Yeah. You get that adrenaline dump and then boom, it's on to the next one. So it's just one of those things where I found my escape quickly. And I'm lucky that I did. But also, I still have my problems. I never really follow, figured out what my issues were. I've kind of <laughs> figured out how later in life, uh, almost. Uh, was it 12 years later? Um, yeah. 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 12 years later already. Wow. We're old. Uh, yeah. You found a job where you get to choke slam your coworkers. By God, are so many people going to be envious of you for that? I know. It's great. I don't have to go to the tree line anymore to find NCOs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's just, it's just finding that escape outlet. And like you said, whether it's the, uh, whether it's working out, it's some type of meditation, but it's even just talking to like buddies that you deployed with. Like I know there's yeah. like buddies, like we keep in touch. We were trying to catch up last weekend out in Cali uh, when I was out there for a wedding and we're just sitting there. I was like, Hey, you still talk to this guy. Have you heard from this guy? And it's just funny. Like, yeah, he just disappeared. And it's like, I didn't just this, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, if those are the people that are having problems, like know that there's people trying to reach out and like, just talk with a fellow veteran or uh, like listen to podcasts like this. Yeah, well, to- I, I appreciate that plug there, and no, dude. It especially if if you if you had a career that spanned any length of time, you know, you have you know, 40, 50 people in a platoon. Then you have your buddies who are in the other platoons, your buddies you went to boot camp with, your buddies you went to SOI with. If you PCS or if you went to a training course like sergeant's course, squad leader course, um, you know, McMap courses, whatever the case is, um, you know, your corpsman and. You know, people that uh, you meet at the base gym or at the at the NCO club, whatever the case is. And so, you know, I, I did 12 years and I was stationed in two, three, four, five, like five different places. Right. And the people you meet on deployment that are attached to you. And so it's just like I know thousands of Marines and corpsmen and sailors and airmen and uh, Coast Guardians. Right. From my my career. And it's it's physically impossible for me to keep up with all of them. But. You know, I, I post things on my social media that are invitations, you know, like, hey, if you want to learn more about this or if you want to talk about this, like uh, recently I put something up where um, I've been experimenting a lot with um, the uh, the data behind uh, exposure therapy. Right. And so one of the things that I did was there's a documentary on the, the, the virtual reality headset that I have where uh, a film crew went to Fallujah. And so I made sure I wasn't high for this because that would have been insane. Uh, but. It's called um, uh, Home from War, and I put on this virtual reality headset, and I'm in I'm in Fallujah again. You know, I'm I'm looking around and I'm seeing the little details, like the architectural things, like the rain of pipes that come out of the lawns, the uh, the stickers that go around the the light switches, the the brands of soap that you see in the kitchen, um, you know, the 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 toilet fl- uh, the floor toilets and stuff like that. And it's like all these like little details that I forgot about are violently being. Uh, assault my senses are violent being being assaulted by them again and after i came out of it i was i felt better for it because it was just like a little bit of closure because i don't know if we'll ever be to be tourists again like world war ii veterans get to go back to normandy but i don't know if i'm ever going to get to go back to fallujah in person yeah i don't think we're going back to helmand province anytime soon I don't think we, what is this American random, just randomly plopping in like, yeah. hey, here are my kids. <laughs> no, dude, like, cause I, I remember I was being a little nostalgic, right? And I'm, you know, I'm doing things that Marines do when you're nostalgic. Like, um, I'm going through my boot camp yearbook, right? And I'm finding wow. names. Boot thing to do. Yeah. But the thing is, is that like, I found my guide on LinkedIn and I sent him a message. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. Cool. And so, like, you know, you remember all these, you, a lot of these guys' last names, but being able to see their first name. Um, and, you know, I sent a couple messages and I, I connected for with a few people that I went to boot camp with in 2004. 
And, you know, we're twice as old now as we were when we went to boot camp. So, you know, a literal lifetime has passed. And that was pretty awesome. So, you know, I, I'd recommend anybody who is feeling nostalgic to do that. You know, like LinkedIn's a great tool. Um, also, um, I went on Google Maps and I was looking at like places in Iraq and Afghanistan where we had like big firefights, you know. And the crazy thing is, is like one of the biggest firefights I was ever in, in a Huseba in Al-Ambar province, uh, right where uh, a spot where we took casualties, there's a vegan cafe there. <laughs> and next to that, uh, where we took another casualty, there's an internet cafe that has one stars. And it's just like crazy to me because like, how bad does your service have to be for you to get rated one out of five stars when that place has literally been a war zone for the last 20 years? <laughs> what a wow it's just crazy that yeah that's crazy that uh, maybe that's our yeah that's gonna be our way of going over back to overseas so everything going is google maps yeah and the the vr headset is uh you know has the the app called wander and it's uh it's plugged into that and granted like the a lot of those places haven't opened up yet you know they haven't sent a you know a google smart car with all the cameras through ramadi uh but other places like paris island or quantico um and um, like where you're, uh, you know, like the bars or the strip clubs that used to go with your buddies back in the day, you know, like you can, you know, go back there in, in virtual reality. And it's, it's just kind of interesting because this form of exposure therapy, like obviously like, you know, consult your clinician or, uh, you know, whoever your, your mental health provider is to see if it's, it's good for you. And which that's really important. We need to come back to that, but like, obviously, you know, consult what's good for you. But for me, being able to see these things again, to see pictures, to get some sort of closure, like that's very therapeutic. Yeah, that, obviously that's got to be pretty crazy. I can't imagine like going down a road, friggin' an IED, friggin' cowboys would be like crazy to just see the road of traveling because I was lead Vic both deployments. So it's just like crazy to think, <laughs> like to look down that road and just be like, ah, today is today. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so like um, on that side note, like it is really important to to, um, to understand what works for you because there's some people out there that you know they don't have good THC tolerance, so they go with CBD. There's some people out there that you know a glass of wine at the end of the day is very helpful for them, but there's other people that have alcohol dependency, so they they can't use that as a coping mechanism. Um, I remember I got back from my first deployment, which was probably my worst deployment as far as gunfighting, and the Call of Duty Modern Warfare One had just come out. So like I'm there in Flack and Kevlar, like, you know, playing team deathmatch at like 4 a.m., you know, with just like tears coming down my face. And like to me, like that was therapeutic because like I felt like I was there in my my comfort zone, because like when you get pulled out of a situation like that, and it's like you turn your weapon and you turn your body armor or your boys go home, you're alone, you're in your underwear, you're feeling vulnerable, you're still anxious you you still have all this combat stress you don't have any purpose you know like you don't have anyone to, to protect or any objective um you know like for me it was very therapeutic to be able to play call of duty when i got back because i wasn't hurting anybody you know i just probably just needed to get more sleep i think battlefield 4 uh when i got out of the marine corps it was like the first game that i like heard the hiss and the crack of like the round and the so i was just playing online and i'm sitting there and my dad was laughing at me the one time because what are you doing i was like I was like, no, no, nothing was helping me, no substance at all. And I'm just like, this is just trippy on its own. Like, I'm like, <laughs> it's pretty, probably the most realistic shooter I played. And I, that was one of those ones. Yeah. But yeah, Modern Warfare 1 and 2, the new one now, it's just, I play that out still now. And D's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm oh, just coping. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Something therapeutic to me, too, is just putting on, uh, like Band of Brothers, the Pacific, and mm -hmm. having it on in the background like helps. I don't know, like the noise and watching camaraderie of just them with like the boys, like just being in the barracks, hanging out and on patrol and joking when shit's got hitting the fan. Like to me, seeing that and hearing it's also therapeutic in its own way too. I don't know if you do something uh, similar. Yeah. I don't know. Anytime a movie's on, like I'm just like, oh, this is like I don't know. It just brings you back. Yeah, I have a hard time with more of the modern movies. Like, I haven't seen uh, Lone Survivor. I haven't seen um, just a lot of like the more modern GWAT type military movies. But no, like, yeah, absolutely love Major Pain. Like that. That's one of those movies that when you're having a bad day, it's hard not to be smiling by the end of it. Uh, Freaking Tropic Thunder, even though it's oh, it's so good. <laughs> that's just one of those movies. Just uh... yeah, it was absolutely fantastic and. Uh, you know, so everybody has their own things that, you know, make you make you feel better. 
but um, it's also important for everybody to kind of, you know, look for the things in your community. And like you said, the camaraderie, the the things that bring you together, whether it be a, a veterans league club organization uh, that does charitable things. And uh, we were talking in the, the pre-interview about uh, wishes for warriors and they do a lot of great stuff. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about them. Yeah. So wishes for warriors, charity for uh, military, uh, veterans uh and it's kind of like just like a make-a-wish where a bunch of veterans get together for excursions and trips i've been trying to set up one but i'm just busy with work on my schedule but i want to get out there i'm for one of them to hang out and it's just cool because you're going river rafting fishing hunting uh whatever it is that you want to go do uh out of what they set up is just great and my buddy Davila's is uh one of the part owners there or at least one of the spokesmen i know that uh and he was on uh, my first deployment wounded uh, by an idea so it's like something cool that he set up because it's getting the boys together and uh they did one to go see me at the pay-per-view at hard to kill a couple years or yeah well yeah two years back already uh where they set it up and a bunch of two eight marines that i served with came and it was just cool for them to kind of just all get together they got an airbnb and the one thing that they got out of it from talking to my buddy paul uh pollock and the guys that were there was just being able to communicate and have that camaraderie and just sitting around and drinking and hanging out and shooting the shit and telling stories, just kind of like a burn or a smoke pit. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know, just, it's an awesome organization. So if you want, check them out. I wish it for warriors. Uh, and they're, they're just, it's, it's a cool thing to do. And I'm looking forward to hopefully somewhere down the road, setting something up with them. Yeah. And you know, whether it's an organization like that or a Silky's hike uh, or even like I remember um, a few years back, um, I you know I would just put out on social media like, hey, you know um, I'm doing a um, a Memorial Day uh, coffee uh, get together. You know, if there are any veterans who you know want to come together, you know we could talk about our boys. Like you know we can you know say their names, make sure that you know the memories live on, and we can all be there for each other. And you know it, it's one of those things where if you're looking around in your community and you're not seeing something that you think you want to be a part of then you can be the one to start it. There's a bunch of VFWs and uh, Elks Lodges and stuff around the area. I know there's a couple of VFWs here. I've been wanting to check one out. It looks like a good bar. Uh, but like, yeah. I want to hear all, all good old war stories. Well, yeah, not- usually they, they have cheap beer. And uh, when I joined the, the VFW, uh, a bunch of the old-timey members, they, they were all um, you know, buying me beers. And it got to the point where I was like, I, 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 I will die if I drink all of these. So... And they're like, yeah, here, they already paid for them. So they gave me like a bunch of these like um, poker chips that said free beer on it. And I just left like a pocket full of those. And I, I didn't pay for a beer like the entire time that I was a member there. Awesome. Yeah, there's uh, one uh, right off of Goldenrod in Orlando. Because I know we were chatting about where you're from. Right Goldenrod, that's a throwback. Yeah, out there. Um, So that's what I've been wanting to check out. But yeah, it's just there's so many different av- avenues through community, even church too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know our... um church that my wife and I go to, they're, they're very outspoken of just, even just in general, whether you're a veteran or not, of just having talking groups and meeting, uh, even after uh, mass. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it's great to be able to, to touch base with the, the vets in your community because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, being able to see somebody in person, uh, you know, go out and you know, have a beer with them in person, obviously that, you know, that, that, that's a great asset to have in your life particularly if, you know, you're having stress at work or, you know, relationship issues, having that support network around you is extremely important because the most at-risk people in our community are those who have isolated themselves. One good thing is I'm lucky to have a good wife and like anytime I get triggered, I know I'm not sure if things still kind of trigger you here and there, kind of put you in a mood, but she'll kind of notice what happened or what, what do you, what's the matter? And then just explaining it. And I know it takes time to talk, but like, and family and friends, don't be afraid to share your experiences with the people that are close to you too. Uh, if they're not a veteran, uh, just because it opens up their eyes and it gets their opinion as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the the ways that we can uh, bridge that divide is exactly like you said. You know, telling them what's on our mind and why we feel the way that we feel. Uh, because it's it's one thing just to be like, oh, you know, I'm 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 stressed, I'm pissed. But if people understand why, then, you know, maybe they can they can help out. Maybe they can help circumvent some of those things or just maybe be more respectful when you're going through uh, a hard time. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just just talk about it. That that was the hardest part for me to get out of that habit of not talking about it at first. I don't know if for you, if we're being the hard shells and we're like, oh, we're Marines, we'll be okay. 
<laughs> the the thing is is that like when we were in the smoke pit we were able to talk about anything and everything you know uh whether it's you know, the the person back home that broke your heart you know your your issues with your dad or you know whatever the case was you know we'd bitch about work we'd bitch about uh anything and everything that would that would piss us off cell phone company was giving you a raw deal bitch about it in the smoke pit you know and then you know once we get out of the military we kind of have this idea that like you have to kind of keep everything inside and you know that's part of why the, we we even started this podcast because some of the best therapy in the world was just going down to the smoke pit and just bullshitting with with the the marines that were there yeah luckily i didn't smoke but sometimes a lot of people just be hanging out because uh, you're just shooting the shit and you're not even smoking a cigarette it would, we used to sit around the burn pits with our wag bags getting thrown into them while somebody just become getting done taking a shit, throwing a wag bag in, everybody's just hanging around the smoke pit. And that was, <laughs> it's just crazy to think. No wonder we have the burn pit problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it's it, it's hard for a civilian to understand what it's like uh, to trot off into the woods with, uh, with a spade, dig yourself a little hole, and while you're trying to pass some massive brick, that is you know, 8,000 calories worth of MRE food. All your buddies are throwing pine cones at you and insulting your family lineage. Rocks and the brass that they were picking up, now they're throwing at you in the tree line, so it makes the friggin' police call later on go a lot longer. <laughs> they're trying to shake the tree so that way squirrels fall on you. Uh, don't miss those. Don't, uh, yeah, I miss that. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> it was always fun. Yeah, it was a good time, man. But hey, um, I, I know you're a busy man and I've uh, I've kept you for long enough. So uh, is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with? No, uh, like we talked about a lot on this, like it's okay to talk to people uh, with mental health and with what everything going on in the world. Like that's just, just find an outlet to talk to. Contact me through my Instagram or Twitter if you want to pro- have a problem. It's how Daniel and I met. We well, granted we met through Tanner, but we met through Instagram chatting, and here we are. We just constantly send DMs to each other and get our opinions and feelings on things, uh, just in life. Uh, yeah. so- just the worst imaginable memes, the things yeah. that I don't want, and any sort of <laughs> congressional testimonies. The ones I can't share with my wife usually send to you. Yeah, no, that's fair. But then even stuff like you see politically, like we share, and like just get your opinions. Like, and even when we linked up for uh, the pullout of Afghanistan and talking that way, like that's something an outlet to talk about. And that was I was lucky enough to have you to chat with, so and listen to other veterans. So it's just one of those things of just just talking about it. Whatever your problem is, that you're not alone in the problem. Everybody's going through it. Uh, what was the old slogan? It's not. It's okay to not be okay. Um, yeah. But it's it, you, we laughed about it then, but it really is the truth. Like it's not everybody's okay, so it's, everybody's got their own problems. You don't know what's going on in their life, so it's it's okay to just chat and open up, and find an outlet. Exactly, uh, could not have said it better myself, and I don't think there's anything uh, to add to that. So, Steve, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me, Semper Kill. Ra, fair winds following seas. We'll see you next time here in the smoke pit.